It's January the 30th, 2014, and this is 508, a show about Worcester. Today on the show we have, from the Cemetery Commission, Nicole Apostola. Hi, Nicole. Yo. You're not here, and you're officially in your capacity on the Cemetery Commission, but you're you're civically active. <laughs> We have we have from the ACLU and the Citizens Advisory Board, Chris Robarsh. Hey, Mike. Are you on the Citizens Advisory Board still? I am. Is that what it's called, Citizens Advisory Board? It's the Citizens Advisory Council. But, the council. Uh, but, but who's I counts? knew it. And from the Worcester School Committee and many other good things, Tracy Novick. Hi, Tracy. Hey there. And I am Michael Benedetti. I'm the host. This week we're doing an audio uh, version of this show, as we have done many years in the past. Um, but this week we're doing an audio version of the show. I think that the main thing to talk about this week is the hunt for a new city manager. Um, I want to mention, though, at the top of the show, two things. One thing is that um, this week there was an actual event at Stone Soup, like a public event. So Stone Soup, which you know closed almost for five years. Um, is that right? No. 10, 11, 12, 13, yeah, almost for five years, this week had an actual public event. It's actually open. I mean, we, we had a sort of a grand opening, or we had a, we had a little bit of an opening earlier in the, uh, or late, late last year, but this is sort of the, uh, a big step for them, and a lot of stuff from a lot of organizations is moving into Stone Soup this weekend. So Stone Soup is a real deal. You don't have to take my word for it. You can go in there yourself. Also this week, um, for Brendan Mellican and everyone else who doesn't read Worcester Magazine, Brendan last week on the show officially announced he does not read it, so it's my responsibility to read it now and tell him what's in it. This week, there's a great cover story by the great Brian Goslow about the American Antiquarian Society, which is, if I am getting the facts correct, has like the largest collection of pre-Civil War American printed publications anywhere. It's in Worcester. It's right off of Park Avenue. You see it. It's a cool building that looks kind of like a museum. It's basically a bunch of like super safe, super archival shelves with a ton of materials and like a really nice reading room that if you were a scholar, you could go in and read about stuff. Uh, and so Brian does a great job of talking about it. If you don't know, if you don't know about it, uh, how are you guys doing this week? Good. Are you excited about Worcester this week? <laughs> I, I'm trying. I'm trying a new microphone, and I'm unsure if people are just super bored by Worcester, or my microphone is broken. I don't. Know. No, just every so often there's like a weird sort of delay effect. I would like to yeah. say that I am super excited that uh, tomorrow morning I am getting up and uh, I am moving all of the ACLU's stuff out of 340 Main Street and uh, piling it all in the floor uh, in, in our new space at Stone Soup, which is. Uh, just a certificate of occupancy away from uh, actually being an office space. So uh, right on for mentioning that. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be moving in. So, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And the ACLU is, is going to be a new organization. Some of the organizations are, are old organizations that were there before, but the ACLU is a brand-new stone soup occupant. Yep. Why did you guys decide to, to move in there? Um, I mean, for, you know, for me it's a, it's a few different things. I mean, we're moving towards an outreach model, um, and, uh, you know, moving towards, you know, doing direct advocacy and, and being in the places where people are going to come to seek information rather than being in a, you know, tired, dilapidated office building uh, full of, 
you know, sad third-rate lawyers and accountants. Um, so that was uh, part of what made it an easy decision. But uh, also, there's a, well, there's a lot of groups uh, there, Epica in particular, uh, the ex-prisoners organization, um, that we work with on a day-to-day basis. And so it's going to be great to be in the, in the same space. I love that. That's so cool. Um, anything anything else anybody want to mention that's, that's exciting them this week? Sub-freezing temperatures? That's you know, cool. I will mention something that was mentioned on uh, last week's 508, the um, yeah. Worcester Think Tank. I'm very excited about. Did you have an experience at the Worcester I Think Tank? I did have an experience. My my sons took um, a Sunday science class thing there, and they were super pumped. They wanted to go there, like, every day. Awesome. Um, awesome. That's really cool. I'm really looking forward to having Lauren Monroe on the show sometime. We should have done a Think Tank show a long time ago, honestly. I don't know why we didn't. So the city manager hunt, I think, is the big news of the week, or maybe the big topic that we should be talking about in the city in general. Uh, you know, We always make a big deal around civic elections, city council elections, school committee elections. And these groups certainly do stuff, but as we, as it's, as we always point out, the city manager is the person who has the most executive authority in the city. Uh, people at least have perceived the past city manager as driving a lot of city policy. It does seem likely that to the extent that people outside of city government who want to have an influence on city government, going through the city manager could be a really good way if you were some sort of if you were influent, the right kind of influential person. And so selecting a new city manager is probably like the most crucial decision that we're making on a citywide level, on a government level. Um, but it's just kind of like been a little bit on the back burner, would you say? Nicole Postola, your take. I would say what hunt. We're technically not hunting yet, are we? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard anything. I just I feel like I got I, I mean, feel like No, we're technically Christmas, not hunting yet. So before Christmas yeah. we had before Christmas we had this this thing where the current city manager, the previous city manager, Mike O'Brien said, "I'm going to leave." And People were like, well, this this could be great. There could be like a big uh, a big hunt for the city manager, maybe some sort of reality show style competition. But then people said, hey, what about our old buddy Ed Augustus, former state senator Ed Augustus, a Democratic insider Ed Augustus. Some of the city councilors said this guy would be great. And there was a little bit of pushback against this. And I think the pushback all but evaporated whenever Ed Augustus said, listen, I'm not going to be the city manager permanently. I'm just going to be the city manager for, what did he say, nine months at most? Correct. Nine months. <clears throat> and then he said, and I also believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, he said, I am not going to like become the permanent city manager after this happens. Nine months and I'm out. He has, in fact, said that repeatedly. Yep. He has said this repeatedly. And yet I, I, yet I have seen on the Internet of all places people concerned that it doesn't matter, that this, that this repeated claim doesn't matter, that maybe he will still secretly become the permanent city manager because the city council will kick the can down the road for the next nine months and like, you know, eight months and 29 days from now or whatever from, from last from last winter will say, oh, yeah, we need a city manager. How about that? I guess that you just do it. OK, you're the permanent city manager. Great. But maybe that's not going to happen because maybe there's going to be a hunt. Is that right? Well, where we're at right now is we, we've known for roughly two months that Mike O'Brien is leaving in that time. The only movement I've seen is that they 
that Joe Petty saw at Augustus at an event and thought he'd make a great city manager. Mm-hmm. That's what we were told. And that's it. We've heard some speeches at city council with various folks saying that we need a process, especially Connie Lukes and Mike Gaffney. And there ha- as far as we know right now, there's no process. So Paul Mary and Joe Petty say they might have meetings around the city to see what people want in a city manager, but none of those meetings have been scheduled yet. So okay. I don't, yeah, so no, a, I, I don't see attraction. This is a new mystifying thing to me, is that, is that we're, we're going to have open public meetings around the city before any candidates have been identified or even sought. Like, what are we supposed to tell them? You know, we're going to have someone who wants to have meetings around the city, but, you know, we haven't sought any candidates. So we're not talking about, you know, this person's better than that person. We're talking about, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about. I mean, literally, what are we talking about? Is that the way that a, that, a, that a hiring decision like that happens, though? I mean, are they going to say, well, we have these five people on deck? I mean, isn't it more the kind of thing where they were – I mean, I, I, I wasn't really paying attention the last time they hired a city manager. Like, my my impression was that they just sort of say, like, hey, here, here's our guy. Unless there's big dissent, this is going to be our guy. Well, the last time they hired a city manager, it was the same what, – what became known as the St. Patrick's Day Massacre, where they came in and fired Tom Hoover and, and appointed the, the parks commission, the then parks commissioner, which was Mike O'Brien. So we haven't actually had a process since when we hired Tom Hoover, which now was 20 years ago. Um, okay. what, what the mayor was saying about the meetings was that it was a – what is it that the public is looking for in a city manager, which potentially could be interesting – um, but they better get their act together because if you're, if you are honestly going to do a true national search for something like in this position, I mean, there's, there's something like 60 some odd superintendencies across the state open, which is in some ways a parallel position. That's a multi-month process. I mean, you, you need right. to actually take that amount of time. So, you know, I, I can see be, having public meetings being a good thing, but you better plan on getting them done in February because you need to be getting, you know, your headhunting firm and together, get the ads out in the paper and start actually getting this together. Um, particularly since you actually then have to actually get the council. I mean, they're going to need to have, presumably at least some of this is going to be done in executive session. I think that they operate under a similar thing where at least some of the initial interviews can be done um, in executive though some of the other ones have to be eventually be done publicly. Uh, that would probably be, speaking of the open meeting law, that would probably be a good thing for us to look into because <laughs> eventually huh. we're going to get there. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you guys, so like, you know, one of my hobbies is shooting, shooting my mouth off about Worcester City government while not knowing a lot about it. But I have to confess, if somebody said to me at a public meeting, what are you looking for in a city manager? I don't know what I, I would answer. If you gave me five candidates, I could probably tell you, like, this person seems like a better fit for Worcester. Um, like, honestly, I feel like the, the 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 more distant this person from the Democratic Party in Massachusetts, the, the happier I would be with that city manager candidate. Um, just because, uh, you know, this, uh, I just feel like that's, I feel like it's a real problem to have a Democratic insider being the city manager in our situation um, or a potential problem. I don't know what else I would say. Like, I don't know broad brush. Like, what? Like, what would I say? Like, what? What are people? What do people say they want in a city manager? 
so that's, I mean, that's my problem with this, with this process or, you know, quote unquote process that's being proposed is that it's, you know, we're not being, nobody's coming to us and saying, you know, here's a framework for what we're looking for, for public input. What it feels like is it feels like public input for public input's sake. It feels like someone feels like, you know, it will, it will make things better for them in the end if they just say, well, we had six public meetings and, you know, and then we hired someone. So the public had input, but we're not getting any guidance as to even what they're looking for for input. So, yeah, are they looking for, you know, who I, 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 don't, I don't even know what they're looking for. You know, what, what, they're not giving us a criteria. They're, they're not creating a set of expectations for what they're looking for the public to, you know, to sound in on. And to elaborate on something that Chris was saying, I think that part of that is because traditionally, or at least in the past decade, the city council has not given the city manager much direction as well. So I don't know that the city council knows what they want in a city manager because they haven't really given any direction on what they'd like to see in city square or when they say they want something and then propose something different, they approve it. So it's unclear to me that that they as a body know what they want. So that's another aspect of this whole thing. Hmm. Um, but but like and I, I also just think it's a stalling tactic. We've we've seen plenty of public meetings um, most notably was probably the meetings about the slots parlors where they had a public meeting, but when the public said overwhelmingly that they didn't want something, it didn't stop those in power from saying, from doing whatever they wanted to do. So if this just turns into lip service, I'm not interested in participating. Well, we'll see what happens, I guess. We'll have to leave it there, as they say on CNN. Um, I wanted to I wanted to mention a couple of stories that we're not going to talk about on today's show. One of them is about the possibility that the city uh, will ban circus animals, uh, which has been uh, something that animal rights activists in the city have have been gunning for for a long time, and is at least probably going to be on the agenda next week. I'm not really following it that closely. The other thing is this whole thing of National Grid installing a smart grid or installing chemtrails in everyone's home or something like this. This is one of these issues that I feel like perfect for this show. We just haven't done enough shows lately. And it may be that this issue is over by the time we actually get around to it. But it, it, it is on the radar, uh, as is to do a show about parking. Um, but that's, that's as it may be. Um, I guess I wanted to ask one related question here before we wrap up this show. Um, so uh, last week I was talking to a friend of mine who's a school teacher who wanted to do a project about, you know, city council politics with her students. And her and her students had this misconception that I think is very easy to have, which is that the city council, you know, has this like important influential level of political power in the city, that they're providing leadership, that they're providing guidance. Um, and I think that this is just how like how we understand politicians being that, you know, we vote for the president and the president sets an agenda and make things happen. Or we vote for people in Congress and these people in Congress, they have these clear opinions. 
they have these ideological whatevers that they follow. They have these very clear coalitions that they, you know, work with. Um, they have their agenda. They make things happen. This is really not true about the Worcester City Council. Um, and I think it's hard to explain the city council to people because there's not like a narrative. There's not really a good story that we can tell about the Worcester City Council. This is something I've talked about on the show for a long time. I just wanted to bounce it off of the three of you. Like, how do you how do you describe the city council? Like, do you, is it like what what's your short memorable way of explaining what the city council is doing? Because they do do stuff. Like, it's it's very it's very you know it's very tempting for some snarky person like me to say, well, the city council is basically powerless. That's absolutely not true either. Um, I just wanted to throw that out to you guys. I mean, I think that the first distinction is there's what by charter they're empowered to do as distinct from what they actually do do. Mm-hmm. Um, because as Nicole was referencing, that that in and of itself is is probably the first thing, which is that you can read the city charter, and that's not actually going to tell you what the council, at least as it currently operates, does. Um, because they don't, for example, provide direction when it comes to the budget. While they don't actually set the budget, they presumably could say to the, the city manager, we expect X, Y, and Z. There's a small amount of that, but there isn't a lot of it. And by and large, they adopt the budget um, that the manager puts before them, or at least they have in previous years. Um, I would say that the first thing that they that they do do is that most of them um, specialize in sort of constituent services. So you got a uh-huh. pothole in your street, you call your city councilor, you need your sidewalk paved. Um, and I think that probably, as you you reference the smart grid, it it's been clear to me as you've watched the council start to sort of publicly opine about that, that they're pretty much entirely responding um, as constituent servants rather than as public policymakers. Um, mm-hmm. And that I think is sort of always, and, and again, I, I guess I said this from the school committee perspective, it's, it's always a line you have to walk that like, if you are a setter of public policy, are you doing it only in response to the people who, who call you, or are you doing it in response to, you know, actual research that you do? Um, so I think that's that would probably be the, the line that I would draw in terms of where are they versus what 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 powers are they legally given? We've definitely seen that, I think, involving the issues that we talk about on this show way too much, issues like panhandling or pit bull-specific regulation, where... Nobody really stood up in the city council and said, you know what, I, I, there's a really good framework for dealing with dogs in general. You know what, there's a really good framework for dealing with, you know, interactions on the street and how people should behave on the street. And I think we should start to bring some of that framework to the city of Worcester, you know, in response to whatever. It's all about like, well, some guy complained about this specific thing to me. That's that, you know, that's that's how they frame it. Like this person talked to me about pit bulls, therefore that's the one issue that I'm going to focus on like a laser and not look at the big picture and not really like, like look at any, I don't know, any evidence of how this kind of stuff has worked in other communities. It's incredibly frustrating, but at the same time, it's kind of awesome to think like, yeah, like you call up the city councilor, like they'll just like go, go to bat for you on a lot of issues. You know, what, what, whether, whether, whether what you're asking for them is valid or not, it's very likely, you know, you could definitely get a good response out of them, which is awesome. In some ways, the people themselves are very powerful. Um, so it's not so much that, or it's, it's almost as if the city council has, in some ways, abdicated their their opinions or 
um, ultimate accountability to the people. And so you can see things swayed very easily. It's, you know, a lot of us say if you can just get 20 people or 30 people to show up at a city council meeting, uh, preferably with your residents, that you can really affect things. Now, that didn't work. It has worked in some other cases where you feel as if you can get enough people to show up, it can sway things somewhat. Um, but I don't know that that's answering the question of what the city council does. I mean, that that actually could be a way to frame it. I don't know that that's... I'll, I mean, I'll say this. I don't know that I necessarily believe what I'm saying right now, which is to say, like, in the city of Worcester, the people... In the city of Worcester, the citizens of the city... Can, are, are setting the agenda a lot more than the city council. And that if you get a group of people together to really care about something and you go about it the right way talking to the city council, whether or not you're some sort of like connected people or you've made a bunch of you know, donations to whoever or you're connected to whatever political party or you went to school with whoever, um, it, you know, irrespective of that, you can get a bunch of people to talk to a city councilor and have that city councilor do something. And, and yeah, so I mean, few people vote, too, that, that they've got to figure, well, if, if 100 people contact me about this, then there's probably a good percentage of the population that feels the same way, especially the voting population. Right, right. So that's, I mean, that's, 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 that, that could be an interesting part of having that conversation with someone is just explaining that. I like that because that's also a positive way to think about it, is that there is, there is you know, agenda-setting power out there somewhere you know, it's not it's not out of our hands. Chris, what, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I think there's I think there's a dis- I, I think that everybody's sort of on the right track, but I think that there is a distinction to draw. I, I think we see we see it drawn many times, uh, depending on the issue and depending on who's bringing it forward. So I mean, you know, you think about something like, uh, you know, the Save Our Pools Coalition versus uh, I don't know the people pushing Smart Grid, for example. I mean, you know, uh, and you and you look at the, the information that was brought forward and the effort that was put into it and the actual, you know, uh, the, the facts and the, and the science and the research that were presented and, uh, and the things that were presented. And then you look at the reaction. And I think that there, there is a difference. I mean, I, I think there, there is something to be said for the fact that, um, you know, we, we do have this policy-setting body that, that is actually very accessible to us. And I can call city councilors and then I can talk to them and, and, you know, I can make a push sometimes successfully to have something discussed at city council. But um, I, I do think that there is there, there is some inherent difference in um, how issues are dealt with depending on who's bringing them forward and sort of, you know, what areas they're being brought forward from and what the perception is, is of the folks who are bringing them forward. That's sort of irrespective of, of kind of, you know, the, the validity of the, of the policy. Um, and I think that that's having to sit a lot of the things that we look at. And, and that's why we got a pit bull ordinance and we didn't get, you know, uh, you know, a, a real pool solution or, 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 you know, there's dozens or hundreds of examples of the same thing. I wonder on Save Our Pools, I always had the impression about Save Our Pools, too, that there was sort of this, there was this plan that was coming out of, down from the city manager or, or whoever. And people said, no, this plan is not good. And then, like, that's a, that's a whole different topic to my mind than than going going out and saying something like hey should we you know hey would you like to stand in the way of the local power company doing something and the city council being like well i don't know never really thought about it why not 
you know, that there wasn't some sort of big excitement or leadership maybe yeah. being shown in favor of smart grid that anybody would yeah. have to fight against. I think that there's some validity to that, although, you know, I guess I would say there's a, a counterpoint that I, I think has come up pretty recently, which is to say that we have established policy on how we handle um, graffiti in the city and, and how we deal with the property owners who have uh, graffiti on their buildings and things like that. And, you know, that was a sanctioned policy that was set by the council and the manager. And, you know, nonetheless, some specific people came forward uh, from, you know, specific stratus in the city and said, this is ridiculous policy. And, and I, I, to be fair, I, I think that they have some good points, but um, things change in a very different way. And there's obviously there's a lot of other variables, you know, in comparing these two situations. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there's something to be said for, you know, the way that you're describing council, um, but, but also that there it is worth mentioning the fact that uh, it does, you know, it, it does not seem to work as equitably in a lot of situations as uh, as maybe it should. Um, it, it's not necessarily based in the validity of the issue as, as it can be in, in who's bringing it forward. Hmm. I, I always like the word ombudsman. I thought that you nailed it when uh, when you called them ombudsmen who are professional workers. I think that uh, we could have made this whole discussion a lot shorter, shorter if we just stuck with that. Oh, I tell you, that's you know that that's one way that I do like to think about them. Um, it's a it's a hard thing because I feel like there's multiple things going on, right? Like um, ombudsman, I think is definitely the most accurate one word description of the role of the city council and city government. It's not completely, it's not doesn't cover everything that they do. It covers a lot of what they do. I know that a lot of what's going on on the committee level uh, involves a lot of people spending a lot of time on a lot of issues um, and hearing a lot of feedback. Um, I know that a lot of what goes on at the city council meetings themselves and in other uh, arenas that I see is definitely what you would call live action role playing or LARPing, kind of the thing that you would put on a wizard hat and get a fake sword and run around in a field. Or you would put on a suit and go to the city council chamber and stand up and talk for 10 minutes about whatever in a solemn tone. I would never want to be dismissive of the city council when talking to somebody. I get frustrated by the city council, but these people put a hell of a lot of time into like making sure that things like road repairs are done somewhat above board and in somewhat of a public manner. And making sure a lot of other issues are done somewhat above board and somewhat in a public manner. And somebody's got to go to these meetings for there to be public meetings and all of this stuff. Um so, like, my hat is always off to them, as irritated as I can be with the city council. My hat is off to them for that kind of dedication. So, LARPers is somewhat dismissive. I don't know. Ombudsman. I don't know. We'll have to keep working on this narrative thing. Anyways, I want to thank you guys for being on the show this week. Next week, we will come back with some sort of video or audio format of this show. Again, I'm Mike Benedetti, and today on the show is Nicole Apostola, Tracy Novick, and Chris Robarge. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you.